Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Bruce Pierce with the next episode of my podcast, Women's Healthcare with Dr. Bruce Pierce. Today, I have a special guest, and she is a board-certified OBGYN, and she's the medical director of Women's Healthcare of Princeton, which is a progressive and innovative Health, women's health practice in Princeton, New Jersey. She's a leader and innovator in vulvo vaginal health and female sexual medicine. Please welcome Dr. Maria Sophocles. Hi, Bruce. Hi, hi Dr. Sophocles. Can I claim Maria? Yeah. Because we're just, you know, we're, we're friends, right? We're mm-hmm. colleagues and friends, and we're just having conversation in your lovely home and in Princeton, and I'm very excited. And Yeah, we've uh, known each other, I think, around... What, 15 years? I think it's like, yeah, has it been that long? because we're so young. <laughs> well, we started when we were 15, there so it, it works out perfectly that way. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Maria, Dr. Sophocles, we're talking today, hold on, about lube and sex toys, OMG. We are. We're uh, having a sex talk. We're having a sex talk. Yeah. All right, so everybody, you're allowed to pause your podcast and go get a glass of wine, right? Or call your friends and <laughs> share. <laughs> this is this is maybe the one you don't girls want. Girls' wine night, right? Could be girls' night. Maybe not the one you want to listen to with your mom or, or, or dad or something. Maybe, but you but, never know. But you know, but maybe you will. Maybe you will. You never know. Uh, so, or so, Maria. So yeah. So tell. We're gonna start. Let's start with lube, okay? Sure. I, now I did touch a little bit on a, a, a recent podcast, but not in any detail. Uh, so, all right, we're going to go deep. Let's go we're deep go into loop. Into loop. But before pardon, we get there, the yes, yeah, yeah, total pun. Almost <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. we say is, in sex talk is fun. Yes. I want to give you a little background. Um, like you, I'm a board certified OBGYN. Like you, I'm a, a minimally invasive surgeon. And like you, I do basic gynecology, office gynecology. But Um, As I aged and became a perimenopausal and menopausal woman, I started noticing um, that sex started becoming a bigger issue for my patients. It uh, my, my teenage patients always had had sexual issues, but the main issue was how do I not become pregnant? Right. And we both had learned that right pretty easily. We can talk contraception with our eyes closed and rattle off all the options. But the issues for the middle-aged woman were a little more challenging. And they were challenging because of, partly because of sociocultural reasons. Women were mostly embarrassed to talk about sex. And that was, you know, so many of them, whether it was because they went to Catholic school or whether they just, their parents told them never talk about sex or whatever their background was, they just never talked about it. Right. And they were having issues, but they didn't know whether they could even bring it up with their OBGYN. And frankly, we're busy, so it's right. not always the easiest thing to bring up. Right. So I got involved in sexual medicine um, almost indirectly, almost because I had to, because I found that so many women weren't uh, talking about it and, and didn't have anywhere they felt comfortable talking about it. Now, that was maybe 15 years ago when I started my practice, and that's one of the reasons I elected not to have obstetrics in the practice, is I wanted to dig deeper into GYN issues, and and sexual function was one of those issues. 
Um, I didn't know much. I wasn't well-trained. I was well-trained. I trained at Johns Hopkins, a great hospital, but I wasn't well-trained in female sexuality. I mean, I knew the anatomy. Right. But, None of us were. Right. Maria. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. We, we were taught we were... how to deliver a baby, right. do surgery, but... Um... I, I always laugh because I, I said it previously, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, in med school, we had one lecture on sex in four years, and it wasn't even a lecture. It was like a video of uh, of two animated frogs having sex. <laughs> there you go. It was un- <laughs> and it was unnarrated. Either. Oh my god! And, and that was and and the, the the film stopped and that was it. Okay, that's your sex lecture, docs. Right. Now go like out. You're and, all either supposed to know. Go out into or... the world and 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 educate. And be the an pop- expert. Uh, uh, and so I am now an expert at animated frog sex. Well, that's good. I, I don't know if you knew that about No, me, but now I know who to refer to if, if you I ever need come that. across. Yeah. Feel free. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no need. I mean, this is this is a conversation, but the point is I was starting to try to help women and I had no expertise myself. And I didn't come from any special background where I was a sex therapist before. I am now. I've had lots of training since. But I, I wasn't even sure where to go to. I started going to meetings of ISWISH, the International mm-hmm. Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, which you know. And then I, I ultimately was named a fellow of ISWISH actually for my contributions to gynecology and sexual medicine, which was a really big, you know, for me, a big deal. Um, but um, I, I felt I had to learn because I felt that as my population was aging, my patient population, they were having menopausal issues. Some of those issues were sexual, and I wanted to be more competent at, at managing them. In my journey to learn about female sexual function and female sexual dysfunction, um, I guess uh, an offshoot of that was learning about how to help women um, advocate for their own pleasure. So the first was just learning what women even were struggling with or what they wanted. And then it was uh, sort of being able to help them seek another level, which was not just enduring painful sex, but actually experiencing pleasure for themselves, which, by the way, is not a given. Sex over the millennia has been geared towards male sexual pleasure. And I don't say this as a hardcore <laughs> feminist or anything like that. I mean, would you I agree? I 100% agree. Yeah. And even if you watch most porn, not that I do, but I have to do no, research. No, but you have ha- to. Research, yeah. Maria. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's from a male's point of view. Sure. It's mainly penetrative sex right. and, and oral sex on the man. Yeah. But yeah. not much else. Well... I'm happy to say that as much as I agree with you 100%, the last decade, the last 15 years has actually seen an explosion in um, women entering the porn industry, not just as actors, but as producers. There's a famous woman who was actually a, uh, a Duke undergrad, and she was paying for her Duke tuition, which is not a small amount of money by being a porn star on weekends on the side. She would fly out to L.A. and whatever. And she was discovered, you know, and it was right. shameful and terrible. And she turned the discovery on its head and said, actually, I'm going to go to law school, be right. a lawyer, advocate for women's rights and pornography, and become a porn producer. So that's an interesting story. But also there have been other women intentionally becoming porn producers to, perf- to create porn for women. Now, the word porn has such a yucky connotation that many women, when I suggest they watch it, say, no way, I'm not going to watch that. So I have to help them understand that 
think of these as movies and stories that are intriguing to you that may just bring some intimate and erotic content into your brain and stimulate an interest in in sex for you audio porn is something else that I think women need to know about this has just developed in the last decade and these are stories that are audio versions of sort of pornography and they're often from a woman's point of view or for a female audience so this has really been a, a wonderful blessing in the turn from this totally what we call an androcentric model of sex and and pornography as all for male um so that's um I think an interesting, cool development that's long overdue. But I think men will like it, too. <laughs> I know men will like it, too, for right, sure. Right. And I've had many couples come to see me, and you and the men are like, well, can, can I watch it, too? And I'm like, <laughs> of course you can. And sometimes, uh, as I'm doing therapy with couples, I will even suggest that they watch it together. Sometimes it's very clear that the woman needs to do this alone. Right. She's overcoming sexual trauma or stigma or a bad divorce or something and she needs this journey to be by herself at least in the beginning but sometimes they come as a couple and you can tell the man is so supportive and he wants to show his support and stuff so it's it's been such a cool journey for me um, Bruce to really go from just a gynecologist to to being able to provide help to women and today we're going to just kind of talk about one little sliver of this but it's actually a huge topic um, and it's fascinating we're even going to get into a little history today I think if people aren't too bored um, of course not all you're, right they're not allowed to be bored okay let's talk about lube I guess yeah we want to talk about lube first yeah right? let's talk about lube first because it's literally ubiquitous and I think you and I both care for women literally of all ages. I think that's one of the cool things Absolutely. that we both probably love about our job is it's not just a geriatric specialty. It's not pediatric. It's sort of, other than little kids, it's pretty much everything. Um, there is a bit of an awkward wince factor stereotype embarrassment about lube. And I really urge anyone listening to absolutely throw that stereotype in the trash. Um, that is the number one thing. If you remember nothing from this, remember that lube is for everyone. If I had a bumper sticker, I'd get one made. <laughs> lube is for everyone, although the Princeton police would probably pull me over wondering what I was doing with that bumper sticker. Um, and when I say everyone, I mean of every age. I have college patients who come in, and I ask every one of my teenage patients about their sexual activity and their sexual experience. Not just are you sexually active, but how was it? How was it for you, honestly? And I take a long time to do it and I pause and most of them are shocked, they're embarrassed. But when they know, I I actually really want an answer and I really care and I really wanna know, uh, the answer is not going to surprise you because you're a great doctor and I know you ask these things too. It's often pretty uncomfortable. Initial sexual experiences, especially in the high school, college age, are pretty uncomfortable. As much as I adore men, it's often that men just don't know or that men are uh, ready to have penetration in four seconds and women need 10 minutes or whatever that discrepancy is. And so sex can be uncomfortable. And many young women do not think that lube is for them. They think it's for some old lady who needs it. No, lube is for them. And I think as healthcare practitioners, we need to debunk that myth and make sure lube is something everybody feels comfortable using. Um, I I get the idea sometimes when, you know, I bring that up too. And it's almost like 
no, I don't need it. You know, that's that's the reaction. They're no, embarrassed. I'm, I'm fine. Right, right. They're embarrassed. Yeah, right. Or they're felt like if they're using it, something's wrong with them or their partner. And, exactly. And I'm not supposed to need it. Right. And women will say things like, oh, oh, I can get wet. Yeah. And I say, me too. Great. But that <laughs> I don't doesn't say that, mean... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it can't make it better. So I say the words like optimize. I'll say... Um, you know, I know you can get wet. I know uh, you you may not need it, but I want you to just consider having it nearby or even using it for fun to even make things better. And then they kind of raise their eyebrows and go, oh, it could be better. I, I don't know, maybe. Um, and so I really try to actually have, like you and I are having a real easygoing conversation. I try to keep the vibe like that so that it, doesn't make them feel that I'm a doctor prescribing something, but that I'm suggesting that there might be things that can make sex more fun for them or more comfortable or both. Now we have a sort of type of lube called Fexi, which is actually a contraceptive, but it actually could be used as a lube, which is kind of interesting thing. Women have never had an on-demand contraceptive before. Right. Okay, now you're telling so, me some, something new. I've never heard of yeah, this. Yes, so Fexi, P-H-E-X-X-I, which, by the way, has one of the funniest commercials out there. It's the woman, a woman in a giant vagina, walking around a giant vagina, so it is hysterical. <laughs> Fexi is an on-demand contraceptive, so if we were doing one of these on contraception, this would be really cool news. Mm-hmm. But it's cool news in the lube world, yeah. too, because it's both. So women can literally keep it in their purse, keep it on them. And if they're having sex and they're not on any contraceptive, or even if they are, this is great extra or backup, in, it's like a little tampon inserter. In, inject a little blob of this lube uh, no more than one hour before the sexual act. You use one little insertion for each act, and it provides lube but it happens to also kill sperm. And it's being studied for STDs, and we think it kills STDs too. So what a cool trifecta, triple threat kind of thing. And um, it's prescription. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, right now doctors have to prescribe it uh, because they have to make their R&D money back. But eventually, (laughs) I'm hopeful it could even be over the counter so that a woman could get that as easily as a man could get a condom. Um, so that's kind of cool. And I'm hoping this is the beginning of people like you and I destigmatizing lube for sexually active uh, women of reproductive age. Yeah, that's that's a, a goal. And also, you, um, from the male perspective, you say it makes it easier for women. It makes it easier for men, too. True, true. You know, so, uh, and I think sometimes I, I, I make it like my eyeglasses, you know, my readers. As a, <laughs> I didn't think I needed reading glasses until I put them on. (laughs) And then I'm like, wow. Steve Jobs said, give them what they don't know they need yet. Exactly. Right? That's lube. Lube. (laughs) And readers. So you don't know you need it until you try it. And Exactly. So honestly, that's my biggest message on lube, but we're going to talk a little bit about the types of lube. Yeah, tell me about types. So first of all, lube's for everyone of every age. Second big point, it's for every type of sexual play. It is for oral sex, and I'll explain why. It's for vaginal sex, of of course, and it's for anal sex too. Um, And I think 
you know, we'll talk about the different types of lube and what you might use for different types of sex play. So lube, I'm going to talk just about the the ingredients in a way. There's water-based lube. This is the most common lube. This is the most natural feeling lube. This is the lube that people use when they want to pretend they're not using lube. Um, and there's <laughs> loads of loads of brands. It's, like the, that, it's the Bud Light of, lo- the Bud of, Light, of lube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the Corona Light when you don't want the calories, but you want right. to, right. But the good news about it is it's the most natural feeling because as you know, vaginal transudation, which is what the moisture is when we get aroused and get wet, is a, a big part of it's water. So water-based lube makes sense that it's the most natural. Um, like your KY. That's like your, your, KY, your KY, your Astroglide, Good Clean Love, right. Yes, Love Honey. I mean, there's a hundred brands, and I do have some favorites, but only because so many patients have used them and told me they like them. Um, by the way, the the there is a lube specifically marketed for the infertility crowd, and it's called Preseed. P R E S E E D. I guess before the seed I, or seed. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, marketing. Yeah, marketing one hundred and one. <laughs> so pre-seed lube is what I recommend to patients who are actively trying to conceive. It's got this nice low osmolality. It's got a pH that's very friendly for sperm, and it's uh, water-based and feels natural. So. If patients say to me, I want the most gentle thing, I don't want to have anything that could possibly risk uh, fertility, even though I don't really think these lubes are, precedes the one that's been specifically studied for uh, for fertility purposes. Gotcha. Okay? Yep. So that's water-based lube. Um, the, the cons to water-based lube are, frankly, that it just doesn't last that long. Right. It just doesn't last that long. So if your sex play is going to involve a really prolonged thrusting or something, you, you may want to blend it with something. You may want to take a silicone-based lube and actually mix it. Or you may want to use a silicone-based lube. So silicone-based lubes, the second group of lube, that is the longest-lasting uh, the cool thing about it is that it's waterproof. So if you're someone who loves to have sex in the shower, this is for you. Um, the cons or the thing I don't care for or patients don't care for is that it doesn't feel very natural. It's real obvious that it's not something nature made. Right, right. Um, and for some people, that's either embarrassing or just detracts from the pleasure that they're experiencing. Um, so water-based and silicone-based so are sort of the two ends of the spectrum. Between them is something called oil-based lube. Um, Oil-based lubes, you've heard people say, oh, use coconut oil, use olive oil, use whatever. You can. Those are natural things. You're welcome to use them. You're welcome to eat them, you know. But they're not, they tend to not work as well internally for prolonged sex as a silicone-based. And they tend not to be as natural feeling or smelling as a water-based lube. So while they're wonderful and inorganic, I got this at Whole Foods kind of concept, right. they they have some drawbacks right. in the lube department. Uh, they're great for massage, though, so you got Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, and massage is, is part of sex, so in my opinion, anyway. Um, flavored lubes, all right? <laughs> it's a full-service salon here. <laughs> flavored yeah. lubes. What flavors do you have? Yeah. Oh, God, everything. Everything has been invented, I think. Um Flavored lubes are mostly water-based, and they're mostly used for oral sex or foreplay. I was going to guess that. Yeah. I knew you were. I I knew you'd know Come on, Maria. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'll have some questions for you. Okay. But but for couples that 
kind of like the idea of something surrounding oral sex that has some flavor, that there's some turn on with that, uh, flavor-based lubes are, are your thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about, because everything comes organic today, right? We can get organic clothes right. and, you know, headphones and anything else. There is organic lube. Um, the word organic has such a wonderful connotation for so many patients. They come in, they say, Dr. Uh, Pierce, I just want the organic version. Well, there are organic lubes, but there's a lot of variability to it. So if you're going to buy organic lube, please read the label so you know what you're getting because there's all kinds of different ingredients in there. See, I figure organic lube is the same as regular lube, just double, double the price. Yes, that's exactly, <laughs> that's that's mostly exactly what it is. And I'm not poo-pooing it. It Nor may be me. what some, it's a shopper's, you know, right. choice. Yeah. But don't think that organic means safer or better or anything just means it passed some muster to be called organic um right so the next little lube sub oh, category go, oh, go ahead i have a question. question i have yeah. a question yeah so i guess um my patients ask me oh you talk about silicone basin water basin well won't that cause infection what if what if i'm i get a lot of yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis infections will this mm-hmm. make that worse shouldn't it shouldn't have any impact on that you know a yeast infection is an overgrowth of yeast and there's not really any studies saying lube causes that sex can cause that sex can cause friction and little micro tears and if you have a lot of yeast especially if you're tired or diabetic or whatever you know whatever other factors are might kick that yeast infection into high gear uh, but we but we all know patients who get yeast infections from sex, but it's not because of the lube. And same Will it change your vaginal pH? Good question. The water-based lubes... I have de- a lot of them, Maria. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, actually, none of these really, really should. But again, there's so many varieties now. We are experiencing a bit of a sexual renaissance, by the way. So just like... You know, there were three TV channels when you and I were growing up, and yes. now there's 200. There's now a lot it's still more lube. Right? <laughs> yes, there's still a lot. There's a lot more lube available, and it's more mainstream. First of all, you can get it tomorrow from Amazon. I think. Right? Thank God for the internet. That, That's I was right. About to say. Um, but even you can go to, you know, supermarkets now mm-hmm. and get stuff, sure. and you can you can go to Anthropology and Free People, and they have sex products now. These are clothing stores, women's clothing stores. So it's definitely come out of the closet, so to speak. You know, and we're, um, we're helping to normalize I sex, love it. right? Well, I'm glad. I and saw I, that in one of your videos. Too, right? Oh, we're good. Normalize. Yeah. I do my research, Maria. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right, and I think it's important. I think it takes the stigma and the shame away so when you come to my office or if you were to bring a patient to my office and you came to visit you would see exam rooms with uh, glass cabinets with sex toys in them Um, every so often we cover them with a sheet if there's a mother with a young child who's upset about it but in general the point is to destigmatize and and demystify and take the shame away I think of it not unlike the whole if you don't let your kids ever have a sip of wine or beer, the first thing they're going to want to do right. is go drink as much as they can. Right. Uh, maybe that was from living in Europe for a bunch of years, and all our co- friends had beer and wine for their kids, so we did too. And our kids came here, and they said, what is the big deal? These American kids, they just want to drink so much. So I feel like, you know, as a parent, I, I just think the more you freak out and don't let your kids see a vibrator, the more they're going to wonder, what is that thing, you know? Um, but 
anyway, let's... I agree 100%. Good. I'm so glad. Um, so other types of lubes are specifically warming and tingling lubes, okay? Mm. These are lubes where ingredients have been added that create a warming and or tingling sensation. Um, it's totally personal. I have patients who hate it, patients who love it. Um, I've had partners who hated it and partners who loved it. <laughs> and I will tell you that it's individual and they vary. The products vary and some can be quite strong. So uh, just like with a, you know, a Tabasco sauce or something, try a little yeah. bit first. Use with caution. <laughs> Use with caution. Uh, and if it's for you, wonderful. Um, so that's, you know, the main types of lubes. There is an, a last type and, and it's specifically designed for anal sex, which primarily is sex uh, experienced by gay men, but heterosexual women experience anal sex and it's on the rise. I've heard. It's Marie, on I've the rise heard. Yes. in terms of not only being performed, but being requested. Um, and this is a direct connection to what they see in porn, what men see in porn and what men ask women for. Right. And so, what women see in porn. Now, do you, uh, do you see, do you have patients talking to you about this saying, what, what do you think about it or should I? Um, not that often. Um, yeah, usually they're not bringing up not bringing anal up. sex. There, yeah. I mean, um, if it's if some if anything, sometimes I would bring it up because yeah. oh, you could you know use, you use this. this this or that, and and then usually I'll either get no reaction or I'll get oh no not you know that's, yes right. it's, that's an exit not an entrance and sure so. Uh, so I'll either get that versus no reaction. Yeah, but which means they don't want to talk about it. It means maybe. they don't want yeah. to talk about it. Correct. Well, I get asked a lot about it. I get a lot of women who say to me, I met a guy on Tinder or Bumble or wherever, and he really, really wants this. Is it safe? Is it okay? How do I do it? What do I do? And so I do think it's important for women to understand that, yes, it's possible it's safe although you can injure yourself you can you can have literally rectal injuries from mm -hmm. anal sex the anus is not a naturally lubricating part of the body like the vagina is the vagina is designed to lubricate itself since the anus isn't lube is absolutely critical i'll say mandatory i'm just going to say absolutely mandatory we're going to go with mandatory yeah and and there is lube specifically for anal sex there is anal lube and it is thicker than vaginal lube so if you're contemplating this take the time and spend the money to get anal lube so that you don't injure or tear anything and so that it's a, as comfortable as it can be when you really look into research on the experience of anal sex for women, it's mostly a fairly uncomfortable thing. Most women, very few women find it truly pleasurable and many find it painful, but they feel it's something they have to do. Um, that's a bigger, longer discussion. That's but, right. <laughs> yeah, but I had to include it because of course, uh, it's, it, it's, it's there. It's there, it It's happens. there and it's getting, people are getting asked about it, asked to do it more. And of course, we should also mention you can get STDs or STIs more or easy, more easily with anal sex than with vaginal sex because it's more tearing, traumatic, traumatic etc. So we, of course, encourage uh, condom, use. condom use in non-monogamous relationships or even in yeah. monogamous. So, yeah, and so. I mean, really, condom use for vaginal or, or anal sex. So let's do some quick do's and don'ts with yeah. lube, and then we'll talk about yes. something else because I don't want to over, overstay my welcome here. Um, Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Do 
you know, do enjoy it. Do use it at any age, any stage, any orifice. Don't skimp. Use a lot, okay? Don't be skimpy. Right. Uh, don't be embarrassed to use a lot. Um, with toys, if you're, you know, most heterosexual women only use lube with with masturbation. They don't even use it often with part. I mean, it's funny. Right. How, yeah. I'll, I'll get into that right. in a second. It's a stigma. You, it's yes, a stigma. the stigma. Right. Don't use oil-based lube with toys. Do not. These okay. are the don'ts. The do okay. is just use it and use it liberally. Right. Don't use oil-based lubes with sex toys. It often will degrade them. Mm. Okay. So water-based for sex toys. Yes, please. Or silicone-based. Or silicone. Don't use water-based lube for anal sex. It's too thin. It won't last. You will have tearing and pain. No bueno. And most important, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Normalize. Normalize. Right. Sex. Right. Talk. So the little second part is about toys. What? All right. Okay. This is. Are you okay if we keep going? No, let's go. This is is the, uh, you know, the piece de resistance. Well, it's where I think things have changed in the, you know, so... Oh, you want to talk about history, right? I do, a little bit. Yeah, I do. And Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time a little bit because I think to understand that sex toys have been around for, take a guess. I'm going to let you guess. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, may, I do research. So, I mean, oh, you know so like ancient Egyptian times. How about that? I think that's right about right. 30,000 years ago, right. we found stone phalluses that we don't think were art. We think they were actually used as dildos, which is crazy, right? But right. it doesn't even sound that comfortable, but whatever. You know, when in Rome, when in Egypt. <laughs> when in, exactly. <laughs> um, when in Egypt. Um, but uh, it's been used in ancient Egypt. We've seen uh, the cult of Dionysius in Greece. The Greeks were super big into sex toys. Um, and so, you know, in India, um, there's something called the worshiping of Shiva, Lingam. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, there were ceremonial dildos. There's all kinds of examples of people inserting things into their organs for pleasure. So this is not a new concept at all. Not at all. Roman times in Pompeii, phalluses were everywhere. They were on bakery signs. They were outside of temples. Uh, there was a, a, an a overly large phallus in gardens symbolizing fertility to protect the gardens from thieves, which I don't really understand. Um, but they even used phalluses to ward off the evil eye. So kind of interesting, all the, the history. Uh, I just find that interesting that, that our fascination with sex has been a lot, a lot, a lot of years, right? Um, and Kama Sutra, right? Yeah, uh, exactly, Kama. exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, we could go on and on, but I kind of wanted to to hit that and then flip all the way to the late 19th century when dildos made of rubber were made, and that's when we first have the beginnings of modern sex toys. That's the closest to what we have today. We're not sure exactly. Uh, who used it or bought it, um, but but we think it was, you know, just for pleasure. Um, and even rectal dilators, we call them today butt plugs, those appeared in American medical journals, believe it or not, and health magazines, uh, supposedly to treat constipation, asthma, eczema, and hemorrhoids. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, exactly. <laughs> who knew? Um, there's a really important myth to debunk, so I want to debunk okay. that. Um, I read a lot of articles talking about something called hysteria that yes. Sigmund Freud uh, described hysterical women, women with uh, 
uh, what, how would you describe hysteria? Just emotional lack of control yeah. and, you know, fainting. Right. Something like that. Right. So these women with hysteria were treated by male physicians who masturbated them to orgasm. That's a story we've all heard. Yes. It turns out that that was actually quite a myth. And it took a lot of research to debunk it, but it was debunked. Um, and this is in a peer-reviewed journal in the Journal of Positive Sexuality. So that was interesting to me. I just learned that in the last couple of years, um, that it's such an ingrained myth that... because um, yeah, I thought it was true. <laughs> I, I did too. Right. I did too. I grew up, I trained thinking it was true. Anyway, uh, so that's something new. So not not even true. Not even true. There's no evidence that doctors use vibrators to masturbate women to orgasm to get them over their hysteria. Interesting. So it's so ingrained. Urban legend. Urban legend, right. So um, I just want to say that reading about the history of sex toys, which I read for a chapter of a book that I'm writing, but I also read to prepare for this talk, um, it's... It's really a history of feminism and sexual liberation in a way. So I think there's a lot to learn from it. And um, there's kind of a cool book out there by, believe it or not, is a historian of sex toys named Hallie Lieberman. And the book is called Buzz. So if anyone has any interest in a book about this, you can look up the word, I mean, the book Buzz and see. see, You can read more than you ever wanted to know about (laughs) sex toys. Um, there are some pretty wacky sex toys out there. If you do a, a Google search or a Google images search, there's a, a baby Jesus sex toy that was pretty offensive, I thought. There's a Donald Trump <laughs> sex toy. There's ice cream cone sex toy. So you can get sex toys in any oh my. anything you, know, you want. But if you actually have interest in really beginning to explore using sex toys, I think um, it's something to think about because... It's, first of all, gained in popularity in the last decade. Now I would say around 50% of men and women use sex toys. Um, the least, the lowest users tend to be heterosexual women, believe it or not. Again, that shame, that stigma. Right, right. Gay and bisexual men, uh, about 90% of gay and bisexual men will use sex toys you know, for anal pleasure uh, in general. The, uh, probably related, there was an article about orgasms in uh the times yesterday right was he oh i even i think even before yesterday but oh. but that that but uh, heterosexual women had the lowest uh yeah. percentage of orgasms well orgasms are linked to sex toys so if <laughs> ah. you take anything home from this other ah. than that lube is for everyone right. it said maybe consider a sex toy don't be ashamed um you can certainly find a progressive uh, OBGYN like Dr. Pierce or a sexual medicine specialist like myself and and if you want to chat about them or go online you can go to a website like Dame are okay. we allowed to say brands and websites actually, on this we or is are, that uncool no I'm actually hoping that somebody will reach out and like want to sponsor me so, oh there so, you go so, 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 so yeah. I'm going to throw yeah. out as many yeah. names as possible you got it well Dame with is with the hope a, they'll a good say one. hey we'll sponsor you yeah exactly yeah. so Dame go on Dame it's, it's beautiful marketing and they do uh all kinds of interesting sex toys. I actually brought some to this program for you, Dr. Ooh, Pierce. Yeah. Uh, if you look right there, that is a wedge-shaped pillow. Yes. That wedge-shaped <sighs> pillow is actually to facilitate good oral sex for women because so it's also for men, so their neck isn't hurting. I swear to God, <laughs> that's what that's for. And it's called pillow, P-I-L-L-O, miss, you know, funny spelling. And you buy it on Dame, and it's literally a wedge-shaped pillow that you keep in your bedroom. And nobody needs to know what that is. 
is. Nobody's cleaning lady or niece or nephew needs to know what that you know, is. You I'm, I'm here and I, I'm looking at it. And I, you had I, no idea. Uh, it was, it was on just, my sofa. I thought it was a throw pillow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's not. I don't keep it on my sofa. I keep it in my office. But I brought it home today so you could see that. Uh, under that are some toys that we'll look at. Um, and they're... they're Sex, these are not like sex toys of 10 or 20 years ago. Sex toys have evolved into really fun, hands-free things. Right. Uh, things for women to use alone, things for couples to use together. Um, don't think we have family sex toys yet. That would really be a one I don't think I could handle. But but we have <laughs> sex toys that, that even have remote control so right. the man can use it. I mean, there's yes. all kinds. Like- at dinner, you could. There's a remote <laughs> control, and you oh could, boy, right. I don't know about dinner. But there's a brand. So I used to be a designer for sex toys. About 15 years ago, I worked with a Swedish company, and I did it for fun. I wasn't really savvy enough to know that I could actually be paid for this, so I just did it for fun. And we designed uh, sex toys using very high grade uh, silicone. And um, the company was called Lelo, L-E-L-O, uh, and it's you know worldwide now, and they, they've long forgotten me and they're on to better designers now but the key thanks, thing Lalo. thanks okay. Lalo. yeah no <laughs> whatever no, no no actually people way better than i am are doing a better job but the cool thing is that they wanted to take away the focus of the dildo looking must insert into penis kind of sex toy which many women find off-putting right because as we know most women don't orgasm from a penis going in the vagina i know that Right. Not everybody knows that. You know, I know. But actually, if any of our readers or people are just getting all their sex ed from Hollywood, they presume that all the screaming and moaning happens from a penis penetrating a vagina. What what quote do you give? What percentage do you give? What percentage of women orgasm from penile penetration? I think it's like 40, 30 to 40%. Yeah. If I, that. I think it's probably it's 20. Probably, it's probably lower. Yeah, right? it's yeah. probably 20, and yeah. we think that could even be high. So I've read anywhere from 10 to 30% uh, orgasm from penile penetration alone. Most women require clitoral stimulation. And if you read the article in the New York Times yesterday, the clitoris shocker is actually a super highly innervated organ that's actually huge we only see the very tip of the iceberg um the full anatomy of the clitoris by the way wasn't even discovered until the last the last decade or so by an australian uh, urologist kind of interesting right here when we were in med school they actually didn't even know it i didn't it's embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) i I guess in anatomy they mentioned the clitoris but that was about oh my god i told you and the guy blushed and then we talked about something else exactly went really quick through it and and literally oh my anatomy of the female pelvis lecture was like uh 15 minutes minutes, right you know but the penis we learned all about the corpus cavernosum and this i mean we knew it we knew it i mean good thing it's a great (laughs) thing but you know still um anyway the clitoris is a little late to the show um, but, uh, you know, as but, far yeah, as, but quickly it, yeah. it's long. It's not just the tip that you see under the clitoral hood. It actually goes behind the vagina on either side. It's like branches into, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's much like a it, penis. It's actually a lot like a penis, but it's it, internal. Basically, embryologically it is. And then right. you know, male men form a penis, women form a clitoris and, but it's the, it's basically the same organ. Right. But anyway, if someone wants to learn more, they can literally Google uh, Australian urologist who who dissected and finally discovered the whole anatomy of the clitoris. And it's, I don't know, they'll make a Netflix series I out of it, it someday. 
<laughs> it's a, a woman. It's a woman. Oh, 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 a woman. See how see how yeah. sexist I am, Maria? No, you're not. I you're not. Assumption. You're just assuming. I am assuming. Yeah. That's all right. I did it too, actually. <laughs> so sex toys. So yes. so Lalo is a brand, and I'm, I know this sounds biased because I used to work with them, but they have beautifully designed sex toys. Again, my office is full of them in every room, and uh, every so often a little kid comes in, and we're like, no, nah, no, nah, don't touch that. Don't but touch but mostly uh, we let p- patients kick the tires and play with them, um, and they have many that don't look anything like a penis. Most of them don't. Um, so many, the cool thing is their design. It's very user-friendly. It could be sitting on your bedroom end table and no one would know what it was. Right. They think it's a weird mouse for your computer or something. The other cool thing. So you could put it in your suitcase at the airport and not have to worry. Yes. That it's going to be searched. You could literally keep it, uh, on your desk at work in your OBGYN practice and nobody would, <laughs> but would you, but, um, people won't know. So people that takes the shame away. The other super cool thing that they invented maybe five or six years ago was instead of just vibration, you know, which is also kind of right. off-putting, right. is they use sound waves. Oh. So there are sound waves that send little pulses, and this is arousing to a lot of women, and it's just taken the noise away. So they've taken the penis shape away. They've taken the noise away. And they've made, I mean, these things are big sellers worldwide now because of this. There was so. just, I don't know, on, on TV, just um, this show called Ghosts that's, that's on. Yeah. And part of the episode, I guess the premise is uh, there's ghosts that this, the uh, lady buys a house and has ghosts in it. And only she could see them. And they're like his kind of yeah. historic figures. from. And so somebody from, I guess, Victorian age um, saw that they had a... Um, a um, a washer, a washing machine, and and another ghost told her, "Well, sit on top of it." And she goes, "Why would I just just do it?" it. And she's like, oh, oh my! And then, <laughs> and then it broke, and she was upset. Yeah, because so, she was enjoying she sitting was on top right. of it. She says, now what am I going to do? And then, yeah. I guess the other more modern ghost told, "Let me put her arm around. Her. Let me tell you what what else is available." Oh, that's super so, cute. So it's even on... It's even to, on, ghosts. on ghosts. Well, it's come out of the closet, as I said. And I think this is another kind of big take-home point is that uh, we are living in a world where this is getting destigmatized. And the use of sex toys parallels the use of sexual freedoms in a society. So uh, very interesting mm. that if you look historically, you'll see that we're on very much an upswing, which makes sense given the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, the uh, sex tech industry, the, the femtech, the explosion in w- digital health sites devoted to menopause, sexuality. This is predicted to be a hundred billion dollar business so the sex toys are part of that and so um you know that's kind of what i wanted you to to know about so dame i mentioned as a favorite site to go to lalo a wonderful brand uh pink cherry and simply pleasures are very common sites to buy sex toys on um so let me ask you a question. What other what other questions do you have for me? I have me? a question. All right. So I guess these are questions I get in the office uh, uh, when I mention sex toys, which I do. Uh, Good. And I go, wow, oh no, uh, my partner, boyfriend, blah blah blah. He, I can't do that, and he's going to think I'm. It's going to replace him, and he's going to mm-hmm. be upset mm-hmm. that it's going to replace him. So what do you say to that? I say we need to re-educate men that these are to optimize sex, including 
their pleasure. Once a guy knows this is going to ultimately be good for him, he won't worry about being replaced. Any guy that would worry about being replaced is probably worried that his technique is not up to snuff. And frankly, it might not be. Right. But this is where we can educate our women patients to say, hey, you can change the sexual scripting. You can work on him to say, you know, I want this for both of us. Right. Or this will help me to enjoy myself more, which I think will ultimately make it fun for both of us. And I guess throw in some line where, it, you know, it's it's not you, it's me. I, so you. You're, you're yeah. wonderful, but I yeah. bet you with the, you know. Let's you could, you, we could be we even could more be, wonderful. And I think... To me, from the male side, anything that increases the frequency of sex That's probably in is in the long run will, you know, get get your guy partner to say, oh, okay, I I'm game. <laughs> so I've had these exact conversations, and I've sort of nudged the women to get something, and I feel bad. I don't want to be pushy, but once they get it, they end up coming back to my office, and some of these are like seventy year old quote, sure. you know, older folks right. who is very easy to brush off by the way and be ageist and say they probably don't want it oh yeah they do and they'll come in and say oh my my new partner asked if we could get a couple more <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay oh, sure. right this way absolutely so yeah we we actually sell them in our practice because that's part of the destigmatization is i don't want you to not get it because you think you have to order it and it's going to get shipped to your front door and you're Son or cleaning lady's going to see it. I want you to be able to walk out with it. Yeah, I, so. yeah. I uh, I told somebody, yeah, just go on. You could go on Amazon, really, and get. And they said, oh no, I can't. I share that account with my son. Well, send them <laughs> to my office, right? Because they can literally come kick the tires. We have a little room for them, and they can. I mean, they're not going to use it sexually, but they can feel the material. They right, can look right. at all the shapes and sizes. And we do. We we stock them as a courtesy to patients. I mean, we we don't make any money on it. It's a courtesy. We just sell them for whatever we buy them for. But right. it's been really nice. We've been doing that for about 10 years. So and I, so I think also we mentioned the clitoris before. This is more not for not as much for penetrative uh, use, but more for clitoral stimulation. Yes, that's definitely the trend. Are are and they they this especially these sound waves right. that and I was the, telling the, you about, and thus the newer ones that are not uh, phallic. Yeah, in, they call them clitoral stimulators. If right. you want to know what the company calls them, if you want to Google on Lalo, search. Uh, isn't funny? Google's become a verb. Search uh, yeah. Sona, S-O-N-A, or Sona Cruise. These are bestsellers, and they look kind of funny. They don't look anything like any sex toy, but you hold it in your hand, you put it between your legs, and the little sound waves come out, um, and people love it. Do they have it in stereo? <laughs> I don't know, but they have it in midnight blue, and I know that's a popular color. Okay. Right. Oh, oh, by the way, yeah. they've made a male version that goes over. It looks like a little... A little, um, you know, empty, empty Coke can actually that goes over the penis, and it emits sound waves of all different patterns. And apparently, you know, I, I haven't heard of any. I don't know any men who've used it, but apparently, a big seller that it's now a male sort of vibrator, if you will. Kind of that, interesting. That's also increasing because m- men are buying sex toys. Yeah. Two now. That's right. so that's a new thing. Right. So I love the fact that women are buying more, men are buying more, and companies are responding by upping their game in terms of what they're offering for straight, gay, male, female, bi. I mean, it's sort of paralleling the explosion in gender and sexual identity, if you will. It's right. saying, hey, we all get to be what we want. We all get to have pleasure any way we want. Exactly. Good. I love it. Yeah. So 
I, I, to me, to me, especially we mentioned the 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 orgasm gap. I think it's been called that. You know, where where definitely heterosexual women have the lowest mm-hmm. uh, percentage of orgasms per sexual experience. This what we're talking about today: lube, uh, sex toys. Basically, that's what we're getting at. So we, we, are. we, we have to lessen that gap. We have to close that gap. It's not easy. It's ingrained in us from our parents, culture, our grandparents, uh, culture. Eth- certain ethnic cultures, uh, it's ingrained from childhood oh, yeah. that it, it's wrong, dirty, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Don't touch yourself. Don't uh, let yeah. anyone touch yourself. Don't look at so it. Don't to, masturbate. So we have to battle years and years of... Uh, yeah. Of that. So. I have a girlfriend from Ireland. She's a girlfriend and she, uh, born in Ireland now. She's a professor at Columbia. And she said, uh, um, she's not my patient, so it's not a HIPAA violation. But she was telling me that in Ireland, they were taught that masturbation is worse than murder. How about that? Uh, and, <laughs> How do you start? How the, do you overcome Ireland's that? Ireland's not even the most repressed country. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's less repressed in this country uh, in some states. But... Ireland in the 60s and 70s, yeah. they were teaching the kids in school uh, that that it was mur- worse than murder. I mean, my goodness, how are you supposed to feel comfortable sexually? E- e- exactly. But... You know? So anyway, we, anyway. We, we've come a ways from there, thank goodness. <laughs> right. And I think we've covered a lot yeah. today. All right, so thank you, Dr. Maria Sophocles, thank for you. this great, great uh, talk. And hope everybody enjoyed it. And... Uh, we may have some more topics in the future, you and I. Could be fun. Right? This was a good first right? one. Uh, My practice is PrincetonGYN.com. I think that's important. In case people have questions, they're welcome to find me or contact me. Just www.PrincetonGYN.com. Um, and I think that's that's important because a lot of women and men, I hope, will hear this podcast and say, huh, I kind of need to know more, and I'm happy to be that resource. That's great. All right, Dr. Sophocles, Maria. Thanks, Bruce. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.